Amen. Our reading this morning is from the book of James, chapter 5, and we're reading from verse 13. It's page 1216 in your pew Bibles, 1216, James chapter 5, verse 13. Is any one of you in trouble? He should pray. Is anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praise. Is any one of you sick? He should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. If he has sinned, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Elijah was a man just like us. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, in the weakness of My words may something of your strength be heard, something of the weights of your worth be felt, Father, something of the greatness of the promises of your words strengthen us and encourage us and challenge us and change us that we might grow, that we might become more mature in the Lord that we might be shaped and fashioned more into the image and likeness of the Lord whom we love, the Lord who first loved us and gave himself for us. That is our prayer, Father, and we offer it to you, not in our name, but in the name of your Son, our Savior. Not in our name, but in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Well, I'm told that in the Islamic world, the day is punctuated by prayer. There are five times that the people are called to pray, or called to prayer. Uh, dawn, midday, late afternoon, uh, just after sunset, and between sunset and midnight. 
the call to prayer is issued. It sets the, the rhythm of, of life itself in these contexts, which lends itself to a rather obvious question. When are Christians called to prayer? Or when are Christians called to pray? On a Sunday, on the Lord's Day, in our church services, on a Wednesday at the prayer meeting at half past seven, before meals, in our quiet times in the morning, all of the above, when are Christians called to pray? Well, in this passage, James says there are three times that Christians are to pray. Firstly, when we are in trouble. Verse 13, is any one of you in trouble? He should pray. Secondly, when we are happy. Is anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praise. And thirdly, when we are ill. Is anyone of you sick? He should call the elders of the church to pray. It would seem for James that in all of the ups and downs of life, we are called to pray. Calvin says there is no time in which God does not invite us to himself. For afflictions ought to stimulate us to pray, and prosperity supplies us with an occasion to praise. There is no time in which God does not invite us to himself. That's a wonderful thing. But it's also a great challenge. We are called to bring all of life before the Lord in prayer. The highest of highs, the lowest of lows, and everything in between. The Apostle Paul says to the church in Thessalonica, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And to the church in Philippi, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And to the church in Colossae, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. So I think we ought to ask ourselves, not do we pray, but are we devoted to prayer? Do we take all of our lives to the Lord in prayer? Sam Albury says there is no situation in life where prayer to God is not relevant or right. Our whole lives are to be lived in relation to God. The Bible doesn't see prayer as a kind of religious duty which we bolt on, which we add on to our normal everyday life nor does it present to us prayer as a kind of last 
gasp, desperate thing to try. If all else has failed, you can try prayer. That's not the way Scripture speaks of prayer at all. Prayer is for all of our lives. Prayer is the heart of a healthy relationship with God the Father through Christ the Son. We had a wedding in the church recently. Uh, Two toddler parents uh, got married, and there were some great pictures. You can try and trace them down on Facebook if you would like. Uh, but, But maybe the picture I liked best was uh, the church all dressed beautifully and people all dressed up beautifully and you could see the communion table. And if you looked closely, the third panel to my left, to your right, the, uh, the, the son of the, the bride and the groom was peering through the panel and the table. And it, uh, it, it, just the, the humor uh, captured in that picture reminded me of a very famous picture, and hopefully uh, James or Paul will be able to put it up on the screen now. This picture here. You may have seen that picture before. It's uh, John F. Kennedy at a table or a, a desk, I suppose we would say, in the Oval Office. Uh, this desk is of such importance that it has its own page in Wikipedia. That's when you know something is significant, when it has its own page in Wikipedia. Not only that, but it has its own name. It's called the Resolute Desk, and it was a gift from Queen Victoria to President Rutherford B. Hayes. And under the table, or under the desk, you see a wee boy. What's going on? Has there been some great security breach at the Oval Office? Well, that may be your first thought. How could a child possibly get that close to the most powerful person on the planet? But it's not just the desk that has a name. The wee boy hiding under the desk also has a name. His name is John F. Kennedy, Jr. And that's how he's able to get so close to the most powerful man on the planet. He's his son. And so he is able to get to the places that most people would never be able to get to because of his relationship with his father, his relationship with his dad. And there is in that picture maybe a picture of our lives as Christians. We are able to come into the presence of God Himself, the maker and sustainer of the universe. We are able to come into the most holy place without fear. Do you think that wee boy's frightened? Being in the Oval Office? Being under the resolute desk, of course he's not frightened because as far as he's concerned, he's just with his dad. And he knows that his dad loves him. He knows that he is welcome. He knows that he is safe. And so why would we not be people of prayer? Knowing that the maker and sustainer of the universe 
Almighty God himself, perfect in power and in authority, that he is our Father. That in the Lord Jesus Christ, we have not just been forgiven and then sent on our way. No, we have been washed clean, but also welcomed in. Welcomed into the family of God. Jesus, the Son of God, makes us sons and daughters of God. What a tragedy it would be were we not people of prayer, given our new identity, our new status as children of God, given the the fact that we are able to address God Himself as Abba Father, utterly assured of His love for us and His willingness, His eagerness to hear and to receive the prayers of His children. Be a person of prayer. Pray when you're in trouble. Pray when you are happy. Pray when you are ill. In all the circumstances of life, pray. Devote yourselves to this. So let's look at these three occasions for prayer briefly together today. We're not going to spend long on the third one this week. We're going to spend some time on that next week, but we will look at all of them very briefly. Firstly, we are to pray when we are in trouble. I think this should be the easiest one out of the three for us. I would hazard a guess that even those who profess no faith in any God will probably at some point in their lives have come to to a point where they feel they are at the end of themselves. And in that moment, they have cried out a prayer, looked up to the skies and said, if there is a God out there somewhere, please help me now. I would guess that most, if not all people, at some point in their lives have prayed a prayer like that. And so how much more should we, those who claim to know and to love and to trust and to follow and to serve the God of Scripture, how much more should we pray when we're at the end of ourselves? when we are in trouble, when we don't have the answers, when we don't have the strength, when we don't have the solution, how much more should we pray? This should be the easiest of the three, and yet if we're honest, sometimes we spend 99.9% of our time and our energy on everything but prayer when we're in trouble. We try in our own strength to lift ourselves up, to lift ourselves out. We try with our own wisdom, to make right that which has gone wrong. There is a reluctance to admit our needs, our utter dependence upon the Lord. And how often do we spend time and energy worrying when we could be investing that time and that energy in praying? And I don't say that to make us 
guilty about worrying or, or, or to make us, to cause us to worry about worrying, I want to put more weight on our shoulders. I want to lift it off our shoulders. To say there's no need to be people who are constantly worrying when we can give our lives and our problems and our troubles to the Lord when we can trust ourselves to His hands. Do not be anxious about anything, says Paul, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. In an anxious world, may we be a people familiar with the peace that passes understanding. And we're back in the children's talk, aren't we? Father, I place into your hands all of my trials, all of my troubles. I trust you with them. He is able. He is able to rescue us from our troubles. And he is able to resource us for our troubles. So pray to him. Cast your cares on him assured that He cares for you. So, firstly, in our troubles. Secondly, we are to praise when we are happy. Praise, we might say, is the highest form of prayer, to speak to God or to sing to God from a heart of gratitude and joy, to tell Him of His greatness and of His goodness, to acknowledge how He has lavished His gifts so freely upon us, to speak of His grace and of His love. Every good and perfect gift is from above, James has told us, and we ought to be a people of praise. Because every single day, life brings blessing after blessing from His good and gracious hand. Not just the remarkable days, not just the holidays, not just the birthdays, but the normal days, if we have eyes to see gift after gift after gift from the God who is so good to us, His people, we ought to be a people of praise. There's a Matt Redmond song that says, every blessing you pour out, I'll turn back to praise. That is a noble goal. I'm not sure that any of us are there, but I hope all of us are heading in the right direction. Every blessing you pour out, I'll turn back to praise. And of course, we praise Him for the greatest gift ever given, the gift of the Lord Jesus Christ and the life that we have in Him. How, as we look to Jesus, could it be possible for us not to be people of praise, not to tell God how thankful we are for how good He has been and will be to us, His people, in Christ Jesus. We have uh, so many good gifts to help us to cultivate a heart of gratitude and prayer and praise. We have church services, we have Christian music, to, to, to stream on the internet, to, to download, to play on CDs. We have conferences, we have 
Bibles written in our own language, uh, lots of different versions of our own language. What a gift. We have resources aplenty. So may we use them to cultivate a humble, grateful, joyful heart and life of prayer and praise. Thirdly, we are to pray when we are sick. Although this one's a bit different because it doesn't say that we are to pray when we are sick. It says that we are to ask other people. We are to ask the elders or the leaders of the church to come and to pray over us when we are sick. I think it's likely that the sickness James has, has in mind is one which leaves us in our sick beds. So we, we call upon the, the, the church to come to us, to pray over us as we lie ill in our beds. There is something very important, very significant here, I think, which we could easily miss, and that is the requirement, the need for humility. All prayer is an act of humility, because all prayer acknowledges that we are not sufficient in and of ourselves. All prayer acknowledges that we are not God. And we find that very hard to do, if we're honest. To acknowledge that we are not God, even over our own lives. To acknowledge our need of another to do that which we cannot do. All prayer requir requires humility. But this prayer requires more humility. To request that the leaders of the church come to us when we are not at our best and where our, presumably our house is not at its best. To invite people in in that moment, in that place, in that season of life requires a measure of humility. And that's one of the many reasons why we have to constantly be seeking to build relationships, real relationships as brothers and sisters in Christ, as members of a, of a church family. Because it's when we have those relationships that we feel able to humble ourselves and to ask for help. So we need to have that humility to, to, to tell people that we need prayer. The leaders of the church don't just automatically know. Sometimes people are unhappy because they've not been visited, and the leaders of the church have no idea that, that anything is wrong. So there needs to be the humility to ask someone, to ask the leaders to come and to pray. And there are a number of questions I'm conscious that these verses raise for us. What are we to make of the use of oil? Is that necessary? Is it helpful? What about the times where we pray and healing doesn't come? It doesn't seem, if we look at verse 15, it doesn't seem that James has that in his mind at all. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. 
What about when that doesn't happen? I've been here 10 years. Many, many times we've prayed for people and sometimes the Lord has, has raised them up, has healed them. I've been in, in, in places where I've thought myself that, uh, uh, that this is the beginning of the end and you have prayed for me and the Lord has, has, uh, has been so gracious and so good and here I am. But there have been other times, as we well know, We've prayed very earnestly for people, very faithfully, very fervently. And the Lord hasn't healed them. Um, and we miss them. How, how do we reconcile that with, with this verse? Well, having raised the question, I want, if I may, to not answer it this week. <laughs> I will answer it as best I can. I'm not going to run away and hide from these questions. I think they are important questions, and we'll come back to them next week. But this week, I want to keep the main thing the main thing. I want to be struck by the heart of James in these verses, which is to remind the people of God of the importance and of the power of prayer the scope of prayer, that it is to cover all of life. And James reinforces this by reminding us of Elijah. He tells us the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective, and then he, 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 he points us to a righteous man a great man of God, but just a man. And that's the point. So we can't look at this and say, well, that was Elijah. Okay, he prayed for the rain to stop and the rain stopped. Three and a half years later, he prays for the rains to start and the rain stopped. But that was Elijah. I'm not Elijah. I'm Ross. Or I'm Bob. Or I'm Borat. Or I'm Jim. I'm not Elijah. We can't say that. Because the whole point here is that Elijah is just a man like me, just a person like you. The best of men are men at best. Elijah was just a man. And yet the Lord used him to bring his purposes to pass. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain for three and a half years. And then when Elijah knew that it was the will of God to send rain again, he prayed, and what happened? Nothing. That's what happened. Nothing happened. The sky stayed blue. And then he prayed again. Nothing happened. Again, again. Seven times he prayed before a cloud the size of a man's hand began to appear. And eventually the rains began to fall in response to the prayer of this man of God. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And so we have all experienced disappointments in our lives and in our prayer lives too. We all have things that we prayed for that we really thought were right and good, and we didn't receive from the Lord what we 
desired to receive. But we still declare today that the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. We look back in our lives at times when the Lord has used our prayers in wonderful ways. He has answered our prayers in wonderful ways. He has reached out and done things that we could never have done in our own strength or with our own wisdom when we have cried out to Him in prayer. And we challenge ourselves to devote ourselves to prayer afresh, to devote ourselves to prayer again, to devote ourselves to prayer anew, eager to see what the Lord will do with those prayers. We look to Christ, knowing that in Christ we are made righteous. And so we determine to pray on, to keep on praying, to keep on pleading, to keep on knocking, that we might see the prayer answered and the door opened, that we might see the Lord bring healing, or bring salvation, or bring peace, or bring strength, bring grace for the day. James has had so much to say about the use of the tongue in his letter, mainly the hurt and the harm that the misuse of the tongue can cause, but here he presents to us how we ought to use our tongues to present all of our lives before the throne of grace, to present all of our lives to the loving Lord in prayer. That's how we ought to use our tongues. To give our lives to the God who has made us and the God who has made us righteous in Christ Jesus to the God who invites us, indeed instructs us, to cast our cares upon Him, assured that He cares for us. P.T. Forsyth says, prayer is the highest use to which speech can be put. And I think James would agree. So think of your life, all of the joys, all of the sorrows, all of the stuff somewhere in between. Think of your lives and bring all of these things before God in prayer. And may you, may we, see Him do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to His power that is at work within us, for His glory in the church and in Christ Jesus. Now, and forever. Amen.